Hi, and welcome to the Dewing Grain podcast. Each week, Andrew Dewing will talk you through the current market, giving you up-to-date information and insider advice. He will also be interviewing a leader in the world of agriculture and finishing up with Farm Chat, which includes his favourite bit, where he tastes beer for free. So let's start with Andrew Dewing and his market report. Welcome to the Market Report. What follows is my thoughts or gut instincts of what the market is going to do. It is not an instruction to trade. Any decisions to trade is yours. We've been told that our Market Report doesn't have a date stamped on it. So the good news is if you listen to our our estimates of what's going to happen next in the wrong week, you get some really good advice. Bearing that in mind, we will now give a, a week commencing date for this report to be relevant to. So this is for week commencing 17th September 2018. Wheat. Wheat has had the benefit of a terribly bearish USDA report, as has every other commodity. Uh, The market is dumped. The market is under pressure because um, the USDA report has has come up with some exceptionally big yield numbers for soybeans and for corn, which are still not in the barn. We'll talk a bit about that later. Prices for this week, if you're selling feed wheat for November, would be 165x farm. And it's the same price for feed barley. Our view is there's nothing bullish or nothing to make the market go up on the horizon. Obviously, that is the kiss of death because next thing will be a a, a rumour from Mr Putin again or someone somewhere giving us a reason to rally. But we can't really see something fundamental or something strong that is going to turn this market around. In the short term, the trend is definitely down. There will be moments when the market has rallies, but I'm afraid in in the next week, two weeks, uh, even though farmers are not engaging because they are busy, there's lots of things to be done, that probably will be the one thing that holds the market up or holds it in uh, in a reasonable place because there aren't people selling the stuff because they're too busy doing something else. Oilseed rape has had a very bad week um, with the big soya crop coming. There's been pressure on the market, so the current value for rape for November is 317x farm, which makes my prediction right and Webby's wrong. Um, maybe I should be the rape trader. I don't think in the long run that is necessarily the direction we're going to go in. I think that I think it's important that we give a longer term perspective in these in these reports. So longer term, we do believe that the flea beetle. Uh, problem from this autumn will will help prices for this year and we do believe that there is there is a, a a period when there's going to be a shortage of rape coming forward so we don't see the rape market just falling out of bed like last year uh, we also if you take a longer term perspective yes wheat is too highly priced at the moment but if we get to a place where exports occur it won't take long to get the balance sheet very tight and the world is is really quite quite tight for stocks and therefore we think underlying that there will be reasons for the market to spike again in the future but 200 pounds a ton doesn't look likely again this season the other key message is which we've said before new crop prices you've got to look at those new crop prices as we've said every week up to now thank you for listening please remember that any decision to trade on this opinion is yours RTK Farming is the UK's leading independent supplier of RTK Signal to the farming industry. With RTK delivered via radio or SIM card, RTK Farming can work with any make of GPS equipment. From aftermarket systems such as Trimble and Topcon 
to factory-fitted equipment. With low annual subscription costs and discounts for multiple vehicles, RTK Farming is the solution. For more information, go to rtkfarming.co.uk. And now it's time for our feature. Today I've got Jamie Lockhart with me, who is the farm manager of Honningham Thorpe Farms. Good afternoon, Jamie. Good afternoon. Well, a number of things I want to talk to you about today, and, and we're going to have several farmers on this show over a, over a period of uh, years, we hope. But Jamie in particular has uh, an attitude towards trading, which I want to talk about first, which is a little bit unique. Because Jamie, I believe you put in your budget uh, a cost for options every year as a matter of course. Yeah, we do. So we um, we have to write a budget for every farm that we look after, um, and each of those farms is a is a farming business in its own right. So within that budget, we are budgeting for variable costs um, and obviously the output that we hope and expect to get. Um, the five years ago, we decided that it, um, whereas at the moment we put variable costs in, such as sprays, fertilizers, and so on, we decided that we would put in a options marketing cost whether we used it or not it meant that it was there for us as a um, expected cost at some point that is, makes it more likely that we are going to, to to use that to secure um, so a minimum price at an early stage um, we've we've done some new crop business some 2019 yeah. business because prices are way above your budget and you you're always very good at spotting that and putting some some tonnage in place um, but you're keen to possibly give yourself some option cover against that yeah, so this year, um, you know, we think that the price for 19 harvest is up on off the back of 18 harvest result. Um, therefore, logic says if that continues to be the case, that it's short lived, um, and we need to we need to lock into these prices whilst they're there. You know, we haven't seen certainly in my recent farming career, I haven't seen prices this early in, in the stage of a season that we can have the opportunity to, to sell into. Um, so to to lose that opportunity would be bold um so we've sold quite a quite a tonnage forward and we're we're about 50 percent sold at the moment most of the trade don't use options it's a fact and most of the trade don't cash settle without it being quite a penalty um you know if if we were talking about new crop prices and 160 pounds a ton odd way above budget and Yet next March or April or May, there could be some catastrophic drought or heat wave or something again. And to not be able to do anything about that would be terrible. If yeah. you made a commitment on the basis of beating your budget by £30 a tonne, which is a correct, brilliant decision, to not be able to then step back in and take advantage of a, of a price hike that's going to be big because of a disaster, it, uh, to me is alien, completely alien. Farmers, yeah, merchants... Yeah. And the fact that we can jump in and, and reverse a bad decision means that we are more likely to make a decision initially. So the fact that we are exactly. happy to sell wheat at £150 a tonne because it matches our budget, I will sell quite a significant tonnage forward of that, knowing that I can undo that decision or buy an option, cash sale or whatever. And it, and it this year, I, I went, because I'm sad, and, and went for a walk on uh, took the dogs out on Easter Monday and the, the rain was coming down and it was all pretty doom and gloom. I came back that afternoon and rewrote all of the farm budgets that I'm involved with, taking off 20%, 25% yield, because I just could not see at that moment how we were going to deliver that level of grain um, and or, to, or to, to deliver that budget. Um, and therefore, 
logic said that if, if I'm having those thoughts, then it's that's going to be a national issue, and, yeah. and therefore the price is likely to go up, which is when we actually went out and bought the options on the on the on the t- the tonnage that we'd already sold. So you know, it's and it's not trying to be clever; it's just reacting to the marketplace and understanding that things change. You know, who knew? We we all had an inkling that uh, Bavergo may or may or may not continue to trade, but nobody actually knew mm. on the day and on the day the market reacted by going down six pound a ton now it, it's recovered or had recovered who knows what what the price will be the day the podcast goes out we, we don't not knows. me certainly you don't know you haven't got a bloody clue <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah history dictates i have got a clue by the way. <laughs> um but i i think that i think that the, the message from this is that that Farmers and merchants have an opportunity to have a relationship where they are completely trusting and it it boils down to the level of of education and understanding from the farm side to be able to debate the point with the trader. If the trader says, oh, no, you can't do that because, because, I don't know, let's make something up, then that can be argued with or debated with by someone who can say, well, look, you could, I could buy these, I could do this, the price of wheat is this, why don't I cash that limit? I'll, I'll commit to trading the rest of it with you or all of it with you at a later date. I just need to secure my place in this market, which is blatantly obviously going up. Please let me out of the door. Yeah, possibly as a farm manager, um, I am answerable to a number of landowners and um, you know, if I can deliver my first responsibility is to deliver that budget that we've signed off and agreed on in the, in the before drilling of the of the crop. Um, so that's my first priority, um, and I will come under scrutiny if I if 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 I, don't, if I fail to achieve that. So maybe there's a different mindset with 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 different groups within farming. Yeah, that's that's the question. I, th- I think it's the question I'll ask every farmer: Is it easier to be a manager or to be a farmer who owns the land? What do you think? I think there are obvious perks to both. <laughs> Um, and you know, as a farm manager, um, you know you, you do tend to treat the land that you farm as as your own to some extent, whilst you have tenure of it. And um, so, you know, there there are lots of lots of perks within that. Um, but I think there is definitely a mind there is a mindset difference between an owner and a manager of a mm. business, as there are as there would be with any sector. You know, whether I am responsible to shareholders or landowners or whatever, I need to deliver on a fixed number initially and then the cream will come after that but yeah. um so yeah yeah no, absolutely how, how do you Offer see me a thousand acres and i'll take it <laughs> even now <laughs> well how, how do you see farming in the next five years do you see more more tonnage coming into your group i think that there is going to be opportunities but there's you know there's going to be a a reasonable size queue of people who are looking to take those opportunities and again it's a, it's farmers that are fully tuned into their costs and I'm, I'm not suggesting that we 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 we're better or worse than anyone else at doing that but those that are in tune with their costs will know whether an opportunity that arises actually a true opportunity or just yeah another, so it's, it's being able to say no that's that's not yeah, right for me yeah. um, i don't i can't do so, that yeah i think i think saying no to, to to poor opportunities is going to be as much of a skill as you know we're all we're all keen to build our businesses and to secure our incomes and so yeah. on but there's going to be some 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 difficult choices to make going forward. I've heard that said much more recent, more regularly recently yeah. that people yeah. are going there, but some things I'm I simply will turn turn yeah. down. Yeah. Um, so so yeah, that's going to be an interesting development. I, I do see farming groups or units getting stronger actually, or, or bigger, or more collected, or collaboration occurring. Yeah. I think uh, well we shall we shall see, but I do see a number of larger units even working together more. Yeah. 
something that we don't do though as a group as, as farmers generally is to talk about um, we're quite good at talking about cooperatives in terms of purchasing and so on but actually when it comes to talking about our marketing strategy and everything else we keep it incredibly close to our chest and uh, and it seems strange to me at least that we don't have a more open view you know at the end of the day we all have the opportunity to sell we have the opportunity to buy it back we have the opportunity to trade around things so actually talking to your peers about this thing if there's a, a better forum to do that would be would be well, very useful. Listen, the, the the UK farmer is going to be in a position where if he got his act together, he could sit and say to right, we're not going to grow this or we're not going to do that on the basis of you've got supply and demand relatively balanced. Yeah. So you could collectively, if you got your act together, say, no, I'm not accepting that 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 attitude to intake. I'm not going to pay those charges for these tests. I'm not going to grow that if you don't come up with a contract that gives us less risk in the process. Just you as a, as a, as a business decided to go to in a slightly different direction or you expanded on your storage facilities. Why, why did you do that? Well, initially we did it because we had really poor storage on farm. Um, and when I looked at it in isolation, um, we were struggling to come up with a, a sensible plan and budget to build our own storage um, we're lucky with our location we're we're five miles from the edge of Norwich um, we've got good road links and everything else and so putting up square footage is something that is less risky for us to do than perhaps someone off the beaten track we actually had the opportunity to buy a second-hand building which was advertised in the farmers weekly um, and steel prices at the time were just about to go up and or were going up I should say um, so without really knowing what we were going to do with the building, we bought it. Um, and knowing that, as I said before, that square footage was, was relatively risk-free for us to, 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 to build that. Um, that led us to having a conversation with you, and I think it was 2012. For us, the, the whole subject of future stores was, was, a, was a bit of an unknown to us at the time, and we didn't understand the advantages that may bring to us. Um, but it, Basically, we've we've managed to bring the end user of our wheat crop into our yard at Honingham um, as part of a future store. So that gives us automatically gives us a five to six pound premium on every ton that we produce and put into the store. It also gives us the ability to via your services to 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 attract third party grain. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that when when we started, we stood inside a what felt like an aircraft hangar of a store, and we had some remnants of our wheat in the corner, about 200 tonnes, which um, looked like a molehill in the corner. And it suddenly dawned on us the challenge that we'd set ourselves to fill this with grain without really having any uh, knowledge of how many farmers in the area would want to use the, use the facility. Well, you know, we were still a very young business at the time and it, and it was a fairly brave uh, decision. We committed to using the store and saying, yep, we can fill it. I remember your governor coming in and saying, are you going to fill this? I yep. remember looking at the, the lorry in the far corner tipping our first load and thought, yes. We might. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the reality was it was a good harvest and we did fill it. And more importantly, I mean, it was, a, it was a bit of an epic shed to start with, but that model really worked and we've re- replicated it, as you know, yep. in other parts of the county now. Um, and more importantly, you know, Honingham has become the place where people want to go because yeah. – it's so easy. It's not very complex. As long as everyone understands that, you know, it's it's all going to go into one big heap altogether. Um, we were en- enabling people to, who were members of our other stores, who had less miles to travel to get to Honingham, to go in there instead. Yeah. And we used more local grain into the, into the storage that they owned at Aylsham or at Cantley to 
put other commodities in there. So it's it's worked in in a in a green way. People travel less miles, and it's more convenient. And I think I think that as a model. With the benefit of hindsight, it was quite brilliant, actually. Yeah. Um, it's certainly been no, it's good. worked very well. And what it's done for us is professionalise our own grain storage, which was, was, was a long way from that before we built the store. So well, that, the, we have a Weybridge, we have a sampling machine, we have more, slightly more advanced moisture sampling and various other things. So with confidence now, we can report back to our, our farmer contract farms in terms of yields and so on and it's really just help us raise our game a bit it's it's quantified isn't it and you know your task registered instead of accs is a better tighter spec on that you've got you've got to be on your game for when people come and inspect you um but as you said it's it's is it because you're on the edge of norwich that made you make that decision as well it wasn't just me was it you bought the building before you spoke yeah we we knew that we have an ambition to, to 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 put up square footage, and we will then find a user for that. Which, in certain locations, would be a higher risk strategy than others. And we're confident that we've we've got road links and and serviceability that means that you know we, we have several other users in uh, based at Honingham that sort of prove that point. And mm. uh, so the, the, we kind of came across the grain element somewhat by accident, but it was it's 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 worked out really well for us. Which brings me on to. What's the difference between being a farmer with a store where he stores his grain and loads it when he deems he wants to, to being a store that has to load? Because as a future store, you have to load whenever the warrant holder knocks on your door to say, I'm ready to come and collect it. Yeah. Well, it's it's a challenge. In terms, you know, we we can go from with a twenty four hour notice. I think we 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 can go from having zero loads to load to thirty in a day, and that's that obviously has a challenge, but. We've got normally when that happens, it's a relatively flexible time on the farm, and we have on-farm labour that we can we can push towards that. Um, we work very closely with with our local haulier who has a loading shovel, um, and that that means that we can load lorries far quicker um, than we would do on a normal with our normal equipment. You know, again, it gives a level of um, dare I say professionalism in terms of how we have to react to. We cannot say no. We can't. We're out doing but, something but else. That, we have to be alive, alive to it um, yeah. and accept that you know, one of the perks of getting the income is that we have to therefore deliver the deliver the service that we're signed up to. And we can't just turn around and say sorry. We've, we're servicing the loader today. We can't do it. If we need to, we'll have to go and hire a machine in. We'll have to find labour. We'll have to just do something to make it work. Um, so yeah, that's that's the difference i suppose that jamie that's why it's worked without without that attitude it would have fallen flat on its face so thanks very much for coming in i hope you've enjoyed having the conversation and i'm sure we'll revisit your uh knowledge and uh mickey taking in the future pleasure as always andrew thank you Crush Foods produces a unique range of single-variety, cold-pressed rapeseed oils. All their seed is grown here in Norfolk. They only press a single variety for its taste, and they believe that this is what gives the oil the light, nutty flavour people like. Available in local shops across Norfolk, Suffolk and beyond. Visit crush-foods.com for more information. And now it's time for Farm Chat. Right, this morning it's time to try another beer, but to be perfectly blunt, having just had our harvest supper, we don't really feel like it, do we, Josh? No, no, it was quite a good night last night. Um, ended we, up quite late, so... 
So we'll we'll skip this week on the beer front and and save the beer for next week. Anyway, Josh is with me today. Um, lucky lad, he's he's here to kind of review last night's events. I think is where we ought to start. What was the best bit? Um, we found out that Niall, who's the <laughs> guy from the granary next door, has actually got quite a good hidden hidden talent of being absolutely hilarious. Uh, he had everyone in stitches all night, which is yeah. I must admit, amazing. sitting sitting in the middle of a pub. Being un- unable to breathe and thinking you're going to die of a heart attack because you're laughing so much hasn't happened since I was about eight, I don't think. He rinsed Webby, didn't he? Yeah, he did. <laughs> Poor, I do feel a bit sorry for Ian. <laughs> but every every second there was another one-liner, wasn't there? <laughs> there and, was, yeah. And Ian valiantly fought back to be fair for a time. Then he ended up laughing his head off as well, didn't he? <laughs> Poor boy. I do feel sorry for Webby, but I think he deserves it because he gives it out to everyone else. So. <laughs> yeah, no, I've got to say it's one of the best Harvest Dudes we've had for a number of years. It was, it was very, very, uh, yeah, it was great. The whole whole squad were in a good mood, weren't they? Yeah, no, I think everyone's quite happy this morning. It's good for team unity as well, I think. But one or two look a bit rough, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that <clears throat> so um yeah, we're not we're not up to drinking beer, which is a bit of a shocker. Um sorry about that. Next time round we'll we'll come up with a perfect recommendation for you. Right. <clears throat> I tell you what, while you're here, Josh, you're you're our seed department and um so let's have a let's have a little little chat about a few varieties. I mean we're we're getting right towards the point of of uh, drilling. Um, let's talk about altered rate first of all. It's having a terrible time with flea beetle. Um, let's assume someone can get it in a field and it doesn't get decimated. What are the best varieties, in your opinion, on rape? Um, rape seed is relatively tricky uh, because each company has their own one that they push. Um, one that we've seen just through you know seed sales of last year with really good oil contents are things like Elise and Wembley on the hybrid side and on the conventional. Uh, although it did suffer quite a lot of red seed, was Elgar. That seemed to do particularly well. Um, that's if you like conventional. But the, the best ones we've really seen is is mostly Elise. It seems to have performed really well this year. OK, are we past the rape drilling season now? Ideally, yes, but people are still going at it. Um, where some, well, Actually, some people are now pulling it up after the flea beetle damage. So, With a view to putting it in again? Uh, no, I think really now looking at more winter wheats, but some people are still actually ordering some seed and planting it. So okay, let's move on to wheat. I mean, wheat we're we're now heading towards the moment when they when they get going on that. What are we? What's our best recommendations for this autumn? Uh, for wheat, really, obviously we're Group Four hards predominantly, um, and one that's done really well is. Kerin seems to have performed really well. Uh, most people that are growing it last year are growing it again this year, uh, as well as Gravity. That's the highest yield on the, on the list with good grain quality. That's really very popular. Um, on the soft sides, um, there's Barrel and Bassett. Yeah, uh, so we've which, seen a lot of those, haven't we? Yeah, which have performed really, really well. And there's actually some, there are some premiums coming through on soft wheats, which are making those more popular. But is that not undermined a bit by the volume of soft wheats now in the marketplace? Uh, yes, relatively, but still, either way, they're, they're still good varieties. I mean, you don't have to grow it. If you're not growing it for a, a premium, they're just good varieties to grow in general. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're re- they're good all-rounders. They don't really have any specific weakness. So, well, milling varieties, you know you know my love of milling varieties? Uh, milling varieties, there is Skyfall, uh, which is still just the, the leader. I mean, there isn't really much coming through from that. I think Trinity's, they've tried. Um, it hasn't been as popular. Skyfall, I think, is the most grown wheat in the country. Uh, not always just for milling, but just as a decent variety. It's very good second wheat. 
Um, if you want a real Miller's favourite, Crusoe's done particularly well, and this year looks fantastic. Really good grain for, uh, grain quality. Yeah, I mean, so so the message for Norfolk is, as usual, I think high yielding, as good a kilo weight as you can possibly get. Um, depending on the time slot you're putting it in at the moment, we're looking at an autumn that looks fairly open. There's been a bit of rain, so they should be getting going and have a clear run. Yeah, no, they should, definitely. And, and one thing worth mentioning, I think, actually, is the AHDB list is obviously very useful, but it is far too long. Um, there's too many varieties to pick from, but they're, you know, m- all of them are all very good. They've all got their own you know, perfect thing. And one, one thing worth considering is um, something after, if, if, you are, if we do have a tricky autumn and we need that later drilled slot, something like Crispin's can be fantastic. It's, uh, it's perfect after um, sugar beet if needed on that later drilled slot. It's just really, really good. Is, that, is that a hard wheat? It's a group four hard wheat, yeah. Okay. And it also, I think it was the second highest yielder in all of the trials this year, which is strange because no one ever orders it, but it is a really, really very good variety that probably, you know, very underrated at the moment anyway. Well, as, I mean, sugar beet look like parsnips at the moment, so I guess it's going to be a very late sugar beet season. So is it is it going to be late wheats going in, or do you think they'll they'll switch to spring barleys? Uh, I think I do think a lot of people will switch to spring barleys, but many people I've spoken to are suggesting that with the sugar beet prices, they're dragging their feet on the price of it, that they can grow wheat for, you know, they can guarantee to make probably more money out of the wheat than they could at these lower sugar beet prices. So if you haven't signed up to the three-year deal on sugar beet, then growing wheat seems to be the way you're going forward. Failing that, if they can't get it in, then spring barley looks like a fairly decent bet, I think. I, I think I think on that, just on that, the, the, the wheat point is if you are going to grow extra wheat, then, then you're doing it because the price is high. For goodness sake, sell that extra tonnage at the very least to, to justify the, the decision. Because if you just put the wheat in the ground and then the market collapses and you haven't sold it it would undermine the decision in the first place obviously this this winter barley season we've got an abundance of um craft and flagon in the ground because we've got those those really good contracts is there anything else out there that you, they should be looking at um at the moment no i think craft seems to have done really well this year which is a relief to all of us to get rid of venture there are actually a few new varieties coming through um there's one called Electrum, which is now coming through, which looks really good, which potentially looks like a craft replacement, but probably not yet. I think we need the market to get used to craft and, and really establish itself before we start looking to change onto anything else. Yeah. And uh, we're expecting our, our acreage of flagon and, and craft to grow, aren't we? Yeah, we are. I mean, I've actually spoken to a few farmers who are um, maybe sort of stepping back a little bit from Marisota, just based on that they kind of need, to, they would like to start doing a bit more progression and with prices at these levels um they're really quite sensible for next harvest that people are saying well you know i can guarantee a decent yield and if i do have any issues at least i've got a good lump of feed barley rather than half the amount of tonnage of feed barley that you might have got with marisota if it's out of spec is there a feed barley variety you recommend uh all well seems to be really popular um on or, or as a hybrid i mean any of them really bazookas fairly decent but all well all well seems to be the one perfect and there is a small chance that next year there'll there'll be a premium on top for all well um not anything dramatic but maybe five pounds ten pounds a ton which is still you know it helps well josh i think we need another what are those things called barocas Mm. yeah anyway we'll we'll hopefully we'll feel a bit fresher next time we get talking thanks very much Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to get new episodes as they're released. Dew and Grain are independent and local grain traders. From seed supply to harvest movement and storage contracts, 
we can supply you with the best strategies to help you achieve the highest prices for your harvest. Call now on 01263 731 550 or email info at dewandgrain.co.uk or follow us on Twitter. We are at Dewandgrain. The Dewing Grain podcast is produced by Tinshed Productions in conjunction with East Coast Design Studio. 